Hi, and welcome to the I Believe Your Abuse podcast, where we talk all things narcissistic abuse. I'm your host, Brandy Fuller-Anderson. I am a counselor, recovery coach, advocate, and survivor, and author of the book, I Believe You, Escaping Understanding and Healing from Narcissistic Abuse. If you aren't already aware, I'm celebrating 2020 as the year we become free from these vile creatures and I'm helping others do so as well by giving away free copies of my recovery book to some of you who are struggling to break free or stay free, who are trying to fill in the blanks about what went wrong, or who are considering what must be wrong with them or how they will ever get to a point where they can move forward with other healthy relationships. If any of that fits you and your situation, this recovery book can be helpful in your journey. And I have only a few copies left to give away before the free copies are gone, so be sure to visit IBelieveYourAbuse.com to enter for your free copy. And be sure you leave your current mailing address. Any winners with no address listed will receive an ebook only, and this giveaway ends on January 31st. This is my red flag episode where I discuss different red flags that might clue you into a relationship with a toxic abuser. These are based off what we know about the mind and behaviors of narcissists and what we now know about the early warning signs we brushed off throughout a relationship with one. These discussions are important. They're how we spread awareness about these lying assholes and also how we arm ourselves with the knowledge that will help us develop strong boundaries that will prevent us from falling into these abusive traps in the future. The narcissist in my life was my now ex-husband, so you'll hear me refer to the narc as a he, but this is strictly because it's how I tell my story and it offers consistency. But know that narcissists are both male and female and the pronoun used is not what matters. Intimate partners of narcissists often spend more time investigating their partners than the time they spent happy with their partners. They often spend more time researching their partner's behaviors and motivations behind those behaviors than they spent in the entire relationship with their mate. The abuse that narcissists perpetrate on their partners leaves a trail of damage behind that can last for many years. And victims often feel lost and hopeless when struggling to move past this wake of destruction. Rest assured, it does get easier. It does. As you read online and in books, pay attention to the thousands of people with very similar stories who have survived the experience and are now sharing it with you to help you to get to the same place. Notice that they felt the same way you do. Notice it was just as difficult for them to understand, and they made it through the same path of rebuilding their lives and even their self-identity. It is not an easy task, but they have all been where you are, and they have all made it to a place of strength, courage, and empowerment. Many have moved forward and found happiness and security. The future is brighter. There is light at the end of this tunnel. And one day, you will be right where those people are, 
with knowledge and acceptance about what has happened, peace of mind about your decisions, and the strength to encourage other victims of the dangers of these worthless fucks. You will survive this, so don't give up. And our first red flag. He seems to have two different personalities. Many partners of narcissists will at some point wonder if their partner has multiple personalities. It is a lot to sort out if you haven't had previous experience with a narcissist. That point where they flip the switch on you from the loving mate you first met to the one that appears to flat out despise you often switch again a flash before you even know what hit you. Partners will note that they may be conversing or arguing with their partner and can see in his eyes the cold, black, blank look in his eyes right before he rages on them. They will say they can feel that hate shooting from those eyes and they know right then, I don't know this person at all. And just as confusingly, and just as quickly, they flip right back into the oblivious and endearing, seemingly caring person they love to fool you with. It won't make sense. This is because of their lack of object constancy, which we covered in detail in episode two. Without object constancy, they are unable to maintain both positive and negative feelings for you simultaneously. So if you've said or done something to trigger their shame, or they simply have projected onto you in a way that causes them to see the imagined bad side of you, then they will no longer feel any of those positive emotions they previously had for you, even though they might have felt them for you just minutes before. Not only will they no longer feel positively for you, they will no longer remember those times when they did feel love for you. In that moment, as far as they're concerned, they have never found you attractive. You have only ever pissed them off. And they cannot for the life of them figure out why they were even with you in the first place since you are so miserable and such a piece of shit partner. Since the memories of positive times and feelings for you fade quickly, they're not aware that what they are currently feeling is in contradiction to what they were feeling earlier that day. Therefore, they cannot comprehend the way in which these changes are confusing for you. Not that they would try to sympathize with you anyway. Consequently, these changes in temperament from love to hate toward you is also what is developing your trauma bond, treating you nicely one minute and terribly the next, making it stronger and stronger each time this happens as your mind tries to make sense of the hate your partner shows you and then eagerly anticipates the moments the love is shown to you, creating chemical responses in you that create an addiction in you for that feeling of connection even if that feeling is only a perceived one. It makes it so every time your partner is raging at you, you recognize it as an undesired bad place, 
and you can't wait for the moment when the loving side of him returns and you can once again breathe easy and feel like you're in the good place. It is your fix and you'll do almost anything for it. You'll stick around waiting for it. You'll change who you are to get it. You'll walk through abuse to get it. This cycle continues during the course of any relationship with the narcissist. And your desire to get that fix will only get stronger. And it will have to because the abuse in a toxic relationship only gets worse. The only way to break free from this The only way to break free from this trauma bond so you can heal from it completely is to cut off contact with your narcissist. Cut it off completely. And anyone associated with your narcissist that would be able to enable the narcissist to get to you through them. Because of the dynamic in this cycle, each and every time you accept any contact with your narc partner, whether it is answering a simple text message participating in an argument, or checking out his social media page, you are involved in the cycle of abuse, and your healing from that trauma bond will have to start over. There is no other safe way to escape and heal. You cannot limit contact, you cannot remain friends, and you cannot be provoked into arguments with the narcissist if you are serious about ridding yourself of the abuse and regaining your self-identity. Like any addiction, the withdrawal from it will not be easy. But if you have loved a narcissist, you've been through hell and back, and you can do this too. You may notice your narc appears to live in constant fantasy. Narcissists lack any real interest in truth. They deny what is really happening any time that it doesn't fit their story or messes with the equilibrium of their ideals and perceptions. The narcissist scripts his own world and does so in a way that the script matches what real world could look like, which makes the fantasies all the more difficult for them to tell apart from reality. They adjust their fantasy as needed to manage their self-esteem. And because the storylines are plausible for them, they easily believe them, as do many of their bystanders. They have a knack for changing just enough details in their story that it's difficult to prove they changed them for those who are not directly affected by their lies, which allows their superficial acquaintances, which most of them are superficial, to follow along with their perceived fantasy world. They also create fantasies that are simply mundane, so normal people would never guess that they are not actual reality. I mean, who else lies about what they had for breakfast, or where they bought their new shoes? And these aren't lies they tell themselves and others just one time. They live lies each and every day and with every facet of their life, and they constantly adjust it as needed. Essentially, they're going through the same day you are, or living in the same reality you are, but they alter certain parts of their daily experience so they can remain stable, which is part of the reason they often gaslight you by telling you that the reality you think you lived through was not the reality they believe to be the accurate one. 
Narcissists are also dreamers. They constantly dream of the jobs that they will get, the awards they will win, the people they will marry, or even how they will spend their anticipated lottery winnings. Usually things that seem pretty out of reach, but that wouldn't occur to them. They're greedy and always want what others have, and always have to convince themselves that they are better than others, and have more than others, so they will frequently be fantasizing about it as as if it is their reality. Everything in their day-to-day life is exaggerated, so why not go big, right? I can remember many times in which I would come up with a solution to a problem or an idea about anything and my narc husband would quickly tell me how dumb the idea was or how much I didn't know what I was talking about. Then later, I would hear him telling the same story, only with it being his idea. He stole ideas from me all the time and passed them off as if they were his. And I wondered for a long time why he would do such a thing, and then came to the conclusion that he simply had no ideas of his own. He was empty inside, void of any substance or useful contributions. And once I realized this, I soon after realized that he often repeated movie quotes as well. I started to hear this from other survivors also a trait that we actually found cute or endearing in the beginning. Maybe even funny, even if a tad juvenile. But the real reason is the same, because he lacked any real identity or substance. He wasn't witty on his own. He only knew what people liked to hear by hearing other people make people laugh or draw the attention of other people. He only knew how to be the life of the party by mirroring people or stealing the ideas of others. And he knew how to be charming and flirtatious by watching actors in movies do it. So he copied it. Narcissists are oblivious to there being other human beings with specific personalities and desires around them. They learn to behave in somewhat socially acceptable ways only by watching others because they'll never themselves take the time to consider others around them, why they might be doing what they're doing, how things are affecting them, or how they're feeling. They don't care. What they do care about is being able to get what they want from others, which means they need to please them at times. They need to make them laugh or appear attractive and likable. It isn't easy without empathy But what better way than to have someone else model that lovable behavior for them? So all they need to do is thoughtlessly copy it. And this explains why you spend so much time trying to retrieve that charming guy you first met. You would do anything to get him back, right? Only, he never actually existed. And that's all that's real. The person that you think you miss, the person you spent time desperately hoping would come back to you, the one you fantasized a dream future with, did not exist. 
And this acceptance is imperative for your recovery. So keep reminding yourself as you move forward. As always, you can find more support on Facebook or Instagram at I Believe Your Abuse. Check us out between shows. You can find support including resources for meetings and support groups in your local area and also professionals who specialize in narcissistic abuse. If you just visit us at the website, IBelieveYourAbuse.com. You can also find a link to our shop. Did you know that I Believe Your Abuse raises funds nationwide to assist victims in relocation, healing, and education services? And also to raise awareness not only for narcissistic abuse, but to help raise awareness in the criminal justice system with regards to emotional abuse and other invisible abuses. And you can support this cause too by purchasing from the shop. So please go check it out. You can also send in comments, requests for a specific topic to be addressed, or share a survivor story. Just send an email to ibelieveyourabuse at gmail.com. Be sure to follow the podcast and you'll have episodes added for you as they come out and you'll never miss one of our bonus episodes. And share it if you have a friend or family member who struggles with narcissistic abuse or someone in your life who's just willing to be a support for you to learn and understand about your experience. Share the show with them. Spreading awareness is so important. Until next time, own your truth. Never stop telling your story. I believe you.